Decoy carving with the Job's family. Captain Harry, Bobby, Charles, and of course, Joey. So once again, I appreciate you taking the time to tune into and listen the Pit Boss Podcast. A little different twist here. This is actually an old DVD that Captain Harry himself had made right after the Havity Grace Decoy Show in May, the year 2010. I kind of do a little narration here, as you'll hear, as we sit down in Captain Harry's paint shop with his oldest son, Bobby, middle son, Charles, and youngest son, Joey. Just as a side note, Joey and I are the same age. <laughs> All right, I hope you enjoy, and let's check it out. Hi, I'm Captain Jeff Coates of D3TV. I was actually born along the shores of the Susquehanna Flats in the town of Havity Grace, Maryland, the self-proclaimed decoy capital of the world. And in upper Chesapeake Bay gunning style decoys, there's been famous names such as Holly, Die, Graham, and Mitchell, just to name a few. One of those names I haven't mentioned is the Jobes family. Today is the Monday after the 29th annual Havity Grace Decoy Festival in May. We've been able to sit down in Captain Harry's shop with himself and his sons, talking about ducks, dogs, and decoys. I hope this is something that you enjoy. Captain Harry, Bobby, Charles, Joey, we just got done the Havity Grace Decoy Show. Thanks for having us in here this morning. I mean, how much history, memories, tradition is in this building? Oh my, it's, it's, uh, I built this building in 1976, all of us together. We put it together and, and, uh, we, uh, we had a lot of memories in this place. I can imagine. Yeah, these two had a lot of snowball fights. <laughs> yeah. Not in here. This was a free building, wasn't it? It came from a proving ground. Pennsylvania. Most of the no, no, Pennsylvania. No, you were Bobby. Oh, Bobby Shockey. Yeah. Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, wasn't it? This comes Pennsylvania. From old Charlie. Yeah. Pennsylvania. Remember, we went up and got the barn to that old build it out of. Barn beams and everything. Yeah. No, I don't remember that much. I was too young then. Yeah, he was just a little kid back then. But yeah. So all you guys grew up in here, then basically you carving, and this is this was this is what you started out doing, and, and what you remember from the beginning. More or less, more or less. Well, the beginning, the beginning started a little bit before that, uh, with what we, you know, carving and duck hunting and stuff. With my dad working down Madison shop, and I grew up and worked in Madison shop. These two guys here, Joe and Charles, they were a little bit younger than that. But uh, you know, back in the in the mid '60s when the bushwhacking was going on, that's uh, when all the the hunting started. You know, well, pr prior to that with us. So then, pretty much everything you guys made actually got used then. That time period, more then than now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, more yeah. than. A lot of people were using gunning decoys. I mean, wooden decoys. Didn't have plastic. Yeah, that was pre-plastic. Didn't have plastic then. So, me, the concept. Most of the decoys were used for 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 gunning. 
more than collecting. But a and lot it, more materials now, decoys being made out of a lot different materials than there were back then, you know, styrofoams and plastics and things like that. And they're a lot lighter, but, you know, who cares? We got big boats now. We can put a wooden <laughs> decoy in it. Everybody should have wooden decoys yeah. Yeah. because they they buy a, a two thousand dollar gun, two thousand dollar dog, five hundred dollar coat. They might as well have good decoys. Well, back in the, in the sixties, that's when a lot of people had rigs made for for themselves, and you know, he my dad carved a lot for the Duponts in in, in Wilmington, and you know, a lot of people bought big rigs of decoys where they might buy fifty, sixty, seventy decoys at a time. You know, they had big farms and they'd have. What? How many goose decoys do you make for him? Old Mr. Bankhead over there. Billy Bankhead. Yeah, he he'd make him a rig of goose decoys. Three four hundred. So there's a lot of people that bought the decoys to, to gun with back in the '60s, early '70s. It'd it'd be pretty interesting to know if they didn't invent plastic, what it would be like. I often think about that. I mean, pretty much a wooden decoy is really yeah. that special little place in time where it's just right. materials and and the need for for. Or something to gun over. Right. I mean, that, that fit the bill for that time. Right? I mean, yeah, they made cork back then. That was the only other thing. Plastic decoy for a bushwhack rig. <clears throat> would have never worked, would it? It was <laughs> no good. Worked. They bobbed too much, flipped over, and what have you. It's no, no good for yeah, if you shoot them, If you shoot them, they sink. So you shoot these, they lay and keep on going. They <laughs> don't sink. Now, Captain Harry, bushwhack rig. Explain to us what uh, what, what is uh, that exactly? A, a bushwhack rig is a well, a sculling boat. It's a boat anywhere from 16 to 18 foot long that uh, you put the decoys out 100 yards from the decoys, put back the boat up 100 yards from the decoys, and you put them out in a U shape. All depends which way the wind was blowing, the tide was, what have you, and you leave the center of it half open, and the ducks circled around went down in there and then you scull down into the decoys and beat on the side of the boat or what have you and they jump and then you'd shoot at them. We made, uh, well Mitchell made them, canvas backs, quirk canvas backs. That was for four plastics and they were big oversized quirk decoys and you'd put four or five of them right in the middle of the U you had the wind behind you, the skull, and you had curtains up on the side of the boat. Everything was white. The boat was solid white. That was the way a bushwhack rig worked. Yeah, and only one, the one oar stuck out the stern of the boat. They yeah, two men in the bow. Of the two boat. men in the bow. Yeah. Shoot. So you had two yeah. guns in the front, and somebody runs. So skulling. So the three yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah. You had a gun in the yeah. back, and the yeah. man in the back that was sculling to shoot the cripples. And not many them. people know how to skull either. They say, yeah, I know how to skull. No, I still got my old sculling oars right outside of this I got bill. his old sculling oar hanging up. <laughs> I got the good one at home. <laughs> you got what? I, I got a lot that. of the good ones at home. He's got the good one. I got the good one. captured that. I got the good one. Can you skull? Yeah, I know how to skull. Right. Yeah, okay. He put me in the boat one night. It was yeah, one skull. evening. I says, I want to learn how to skull. And went down to park, put the boat overboard. And uh, he's up in the front, and he said, just hold on to the oar. And after you get, you know, you, you turn it over and pull it back, turn it over. Well, a lot of people get it going. It looks like an outboard motor when it runs the ground with water blowing up in the air. They don't know how to skull. So. But once you get the hang of it, it's like riding a bike. You, you never There's forget. a 
to make a scullower, we used to get the big oars from down in Baltimore off of them lifeboats off of them ships, and they were 16, 18 foot long. And to make a scullower, the bottom of the blade is flat for curvature. The top of the blade is curvature. And you had to spoke shave that oar down to get it made. It'd take you all day to make a scullower. The best man around here that I know of that made a scullower was a man by the name of Bailey Maltz. He was the best head carver that I think on the East Coast as far as making a wooden decoy. Billy Moats. There was another fellow around here that made heads by the name of Ed Sampson. He made a lot of heads, what have you. Once upon a time, Mitchell, Madison Mitchell, had, uh, oh, 15 men working in the shop. You think this shop's small, you ought to see this shop. But everybody had a job to do. Everybody sat in one corner, and everybody had the same job. Really. Now, you, we've talked a little bit about you know, bushwhacking and gunning. Primarily, everything you all did or have done is out on the flats? 90% of it, yeah. Mm -hmm. As far as gunning goes? Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, we had fun down the Bohemia River. Yeah, yeah, Bohemia. We had some goose pits and some goose yeah, when, when we When but, I was a kid, all of us, we'd go body booting with our dad, and uh, we were cripple shooters. Most, we most never... I mean, we got to get in the boots and shoot at flying ducks and geese, but they put us in about noon when the sun was high, yeah. and then you'd see a goose fly around yeah. once in a while, and that was about yeah. it. Get out well, of here! Well, turn to get in. To interfere with his friends. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we'd be cripple shooters, and really, believe it or not, never shot at flying ducks and geese until you know you were 10, 11, 12 years old. We were always cripple shooters. I mean, kids nowadays, when they're eight, nine years old, they're shooting at ducks coming in decoys. But wow. we were cripple shooters. You did I one time when you went, you and uh, you and the old man went out the, in the aluminum boat and and put me in the boat. Yeah, yeah, I remember and then, that. Uh, mm -hmm. After school deal, and then I went to sleep. <clears throat> that was the last. I said, I think I'm going to take a nap. We'll go off the rig, you know, a couple hundred <laughs> yards. I think I'm gonna take a nap, and then I heard this gun boom, boom, and uh, and then I went in there, kind of woke up, went in there. I asked my dad. I said, "What are you shooting at?" He said, "Where have you been?" I said, "I'm just asleep on the boat." As soon as I said that, I knew I messed up. <laughs> <laughs> I, that was one I of the. I think I got a. I don't know if I got a hand or not across the head, top of the head or what. That that was but one I, of the. That last, was some learning there. Yeah, that was one of the last times he went body booting. You don't go to sleep when you're watching yeah. somebody in. And before he left the, the boots, he went, don't you dare go over there and go to sleep. Uh -huh. <laughs> He's over there stone dead asleep, boy. Mm. Yeah. Years, years ago, there used to be, oh, 50, 60 rigs out on them flats gunning. Bushwhacking, body booting, shore blinds were all down along the western shore. There was eight or ten shore blinds down this western shore. And ducks were like leaves on the trees. There was just thousands of ducks. Really. But now you got to have an act of Congress to get a spot to hunt. Yeah. 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 And, and and that's why we body boot. We never hunted in fields years ago. You know, never hunted in fields years ago. Fifty years ago, if you're going over and knocked on a on a farmer's door to ask 
ask him to build a goose blind in a field, he'd laugh at you. Well, there was no goose blind. There was no goose. Everything was on the water. No geese 50 years ago. Then there wasn't no geese to mount yeah. anything 50 years ago. It was, it was all ducks. It was the canvasbacks. That's what it was. All the canvasbacks. When, when we body booted, it was it was a lot of geese. But when they body booted early, you know, in the 50s, there was ducks that they body booted. Well, ducks. But geese in the 70s, Bobby body booted in the 70s. Yeah, a lot of geese in the 70s. Lots and lots of geese. and black ducks and yeah. stuff like that. But the canvasbacks sort of disappeared. Yeah. Uh, well, the celery did. After Agnes in 72 or 73, that kind of took care of everything with the grasses. And put the icing on the cake. Or took the icing off the cake, one or the other. That's the main thing, the grasses. The grasses for the food. You can have the food. You can get these ducks back here. That ain't no problem. They used to have what they call a sanctuary yeah. down at the battery on the Susquehanna Flats. Odin Keene used to be the game warden at the battery, and there was a sanctuary there. I still know where the sanctuary line run, and you weren't allowed to gun in that sanctuary. Yeah, right. They put flags across her every year, right across tail end of flats. And, uh, but you can get the ducks back. Only thing you need is corn. I mean, it'll bring them back. It would bring them back. Guaranteed, bring them back. But there's, no, there, there's grass on these flats. Some of the ducks has come back and geese and what have you, but there's, there's no wild celery. But it's not like it used to be. Back in the 60s when I was a little kid, I'd, my job was to sit up on top of the boat and watch the canvasbacks land to the decoys. And I'd run downstairs, hey, they just landed in the decoys, and they all run out of the cabin to skull down on them. And you, they look like little bumblebees flying all around, you know. But you don't see that much anymore. A few years back, what, about three or four years ago, we had a bunch of blackheads out on the flats. Mm -hmm. And that's because the grass came back some. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be as good as it was the last three or four years this year. Depends on the runoff, what we have. That grass gets gets. Uh, I think that grass gets that algae bloom, and yeah. it gets on the bottom. If you're walking on the bottom now, like this winter, you there's walk out there. There's so much. It was a lot like of steel algae. wool. It was algae and stuff, but and it just no gets on the grass. It lays flow. it right down. Yeah. No natural river flow. Conowingo Dam got that shut right off. No natural river flow. Years ago, they used to have ice hammocks out on the flats before. They built these atomic plants above the Conowingo Dam and, and uh, uh, warmed the water up five or six more degrees. No natural river flow. And we used to have ice hammocks out on them flats. I've gone to an ice hammock out there as high as a house, three-story house. Yeah, a couple this year. Yeah, Did they have a couple yeah. hammocks out there? We had a couple good afternoons out there about ice hammocks okay. this year. The blackheads were out there this year, but... Not like they were three or four they years were ago. Down but on the tail. They were way down on the tail. Yeah. But they're not like they were back in the 60s and the 50s and the 40s and going on back in time. Really? Especially when Captain John Smith came up to bed. There's a lot of ducks there early, like early October. It has you know, improved. But then they, then they, you know, when that grass goes away, they leave. Yeah. You know, it gets cold and that water gets cold, they end up leaving. But a lot of them ducks are eating them clams now and everything else, so, you know, they go to a different food source. A lot of grass out there, but it's mill full. Mill full, yeah. yeah. Joe, you just said blackhead. You get away from Chesapeake Bay, man, people have no idea what you're talking about. Bluebills. 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 Yeah. 
Yeah, they do, they do look at you when you say blackheads. You're like, what's what's a blackhead? It's mostly right? lesser. Yeah. I would That's a blackhead, right? You remember when we was gonna go bushwhack the blackheads down on yeah. the Potomac? Yeah. We we there was must have been a hundred thousand blackheads down on the Potomac River. Oh, this is about what. 15 years ago, mm -hmm. we had a bushwhack boat, and yeah. we're just looking for blackhead decoys. We come up to him, and say, we need some blackhead decoys. So he said, he said, for what? He said, going to go bushwhacking blackheads. He says, it's not going to work. I said, bull crap. It'll work. So we did. Went through all that trouble. Didn't work. Didn't work. Black they won't set in a decoy. They won't set in a bushwhack rig. They hit. They're hit in the bushwhack rig, so it's running right at. Yeah. By the time you get to them, they're 300 yards they're below gone. the decoys. They're out. Once in a great while, if you get to the underneath the wind where they want to get and you're gunning, they might set in the decoys. I've killed black ducks in the bushwhack rig. They get in there on a good sunny day when it's slick cam, and they go to sleep. Once in a while, you can get up on a black duck. You get up 50 yards. Of course, them days we're shooting lead shot. Now we're shooting popcorn. <laughs> what we're shooting now. <laughs> Crippling more ducks than you're killing with that steel shot. Well, you could bushwhack redheads, too. Redheads and canvasbacks yeah, mainly. Yeah. yeah. They'd stay there. But I worked up in Susquehanna for guys up there yeah. above the dam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Up above that Ballard's. dam. You can they, bush would, they could kill trash ducks. Up there in the bushwhack rig, they'd sit. But down below that dam, and when you get in the open water, they wouldn't sit. They won't sit. Yeah. They won't sit. You can kill mallards, a few mallards in the bushwhack rig. Anybody ever use use a layout boat here? Out on these flats? I'm getting ready to. Has, <laughs> every, has everybody anybody ever one. done it? There's a few people yeah. that do it. Yeah, they kill some duck, ducks and geese. Yeah. They build it, well, they didn't build it. You would take a bushwhack boat and paint it brown, and they call it a reed boat, put reeds up around it. But them ducks wouldn't, they'd dart it 100 yards. They wouldn't come into the coolies. Yeah, now for everybody out yeah there. they don't come back. It's one of the reasons that. all the blackheads go down on the tail end, because everybody gets a 100-yard shot at them, and they just run them off in flats on the weekend. There's still 20 or 30 boats out there on the weekend yeah, now. 20 or 30 hunters and 20 or 30 bass boaters too. Yeah, so right. that's, yeah. that's where things have changed. That's, uh, you know, uh, you got bass boaters running all around with their big motors and run all over the place out there. It's kind of hard for a duck to sit in one place where it used to be. You used to sail down there, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Guys, what's the difference between a decoy and a decoy? Same thing. Same thing? Just spelled different. <laughs> Same thing. A decoy is a. It's decoy. just like in the old days, they called them decoys. They call them decoys now. It's just like a pintail now. They used to call them sprigtails. Sprigtails, same duck. It's, you know, it's not a long tail duck or long tail duck and old squall. They're the same thing. It'd always be old squall to me. A lady asked me the other day, she said, do you put pink on them bills to uh, attract the ladies to buy them ducks? I said, no. I said, you put it on there because that's what's on there. And they are. Years ago, they called a mallard a gray mallard. Called a black duck a black mallard. Years ago. In the 30s and 40s. And part of the 50s. Gray mallard and a black mallard. You call them a black mallard now, nobody knows what you're talking about. Really?
here. Boy, come up to the show and give me two bags of ducks. You know, they're carrying bags. I signed him, turned him over, look at him, they were his. <laughs> so, Joey, these cameras you brought, what, the, what are these all about? This, this is a pair of Way 1950s cameras backs made by my father about 1950 what? I don't know, two. 1952 or three. And this is an original pair that came out of a, a bushwhack boat uh, that's featured in the book Waterfowl Tomorrow. You ever seen the book? And uh, the bodies are made out of blackhead bodies, so you fit more in the boat. We used 200 of them. What we used? And that's a that's a it's match right pair there, right, right out of the catching carp. It's right there, but I got You should remember the page. I don't remember. It was 50 page. years ago. Oh, I remember this guy writing this book in the 50s. Of course, I was carrying hunting parties, too. Are these some of the first real gunning decoys you ever made? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. I got a pair of them. Mm -hmm. You got a pair of them? Jay Evans McKinney gave them to me. Jay Evans? Well, guess what? Yeah. Nobody gave me these. I paid $500 for these. <laughs> and back then, what? how much you sell them for? Sell them for? You didn't sell them. Oh, you give them away. You give them away, traded or what have you. When they cut, when they cut the cameras back down to one duck, and then they cut it out completely for four or five years. In the, I guess it was the late sixties. They cut it out completely. No killing cameras. It's before back. And decoys in that era wasn't decoys like they are today. I had 25 Charlie Joyner geese, and a boy worked for him, brought over here for me to sell. I had him down a cellar. I couldn't give him away. Couldn't, you couldn't give him away, because nothing was, they didn't have no decoy shows to mount anything. The first decoy show was in New York. And Mitchell took uh, guy, a pair of mallards and a pair of pintails, sent them to New York. It's near the court, but it's not near the court. It was a, more or less a competition show. In the 50s? And that, that, that was in the 40s. In the 40s. The next show, the, a real decor show, like we had in Hardy Grace the last three days, showed up in Elkton, Maryland started the show, him and a fellow by the name of Norris Pratt, and they had a show up there. It was one of the first shows, decoy shows, that you could sell anything. And it went off like a <clears throat> bomb, you know. Then everybody started having a decoy show here and there. Now every week you look at, there's somebody having a decoy show, or what have you. When I made them decoys, well, when I started working for Mitchell, Mitchell was selling decoys for $3 and a half a piece. Canvas backs, blackheads, redheads. Didn't make many mallards. Didn't make many black ducks, because everybody was shooting diving ducks, what they were shooting. And when I made them ducks, you could buy the piece of wood for 25 cents. 
to make the body out of. Not a piece of wood to make the body out of costs five dollars. So, and the difference between then and today is the price of this stuff. It's gone sky high. Just like paint. Paint's gone sky high. When I started buying paint in the 70s, paint was like $3 and a half a quart. That's $25 a quart. Captain Harry, you were talking about costs. Costs have went up, but as far as decoy making goes, pretty much everything has stayed the same as far as materials uh, and the processes. You mean you mean price wise or what? You're talking about the you know the wood is, the cost of woods went up, cost of paints went up. I mean basically you you still make the same thing there, right? Same thing, yeah, yeah. But you got to raise the price on the stuff, or yeah. you go broke. Years ago, now these like these. This is how I started. They were fifty cents a piece. Right. Now they're not decoys. They're not decoys though. <laughs> but that's when the, when you know the decoy collectors were buying them. Then you go to the round. This is this is a real nice pair. Match set. Yeah, there. match set right there. There. Yeah. Then I started carving them. Oh, well, they're not really round or like a duck, but it's close. It's close. Then this this is a full size mallard that we all made together. It's signed by all of us. We made seventeen hundred for QVC. We sold wow. six hundred and fifty in three and a half minutes. He got to telling stories on TV, and uh, he couldn't get through his stories. The guy said, okay, Captain Harry, you're out of here. So what do you mean? He says, you sold all your ducks. Get out of here. <laughs> he sold them all. Now it's time to get well, something else. You ever been up that, that joint? No, I have not. Ooh, yeah. that's a money-making operation. Yeah. Well, you see the progression in Charles's stuff from yeah. square ducks to yeah. round ducks. and Everybody always asks us, how did you learn how to carve decoys? Well, I tell everybody, like I said, the Jobses are the decoys, uh, what the Ripkins are, the baseball. We grew up doing it. I mean, if we were growing up in the baseball field, maybe we'd be baseball players. But, uh, you know, when you grow up doing it, and this is all you do, I mean, other than this and working on the water, fishing, crabbing, this is all we've ever done. Now, I'm 50 now. Hopefully we got a few more years in us. And, yeah. Uh, Once you see it done so much, yeah. you, you you pick it up. I mean, it's, it, it you know it's you got you just pick it up yeah. after a while. Once you see him paint so many times, and you're sitting here, and he tells you to do something so many times, you just pick it up after a while. What about it? Yeah, this is where we start. This is where we spend a lot of time right here, right there, right, right on the outside that shop. That just be another paint bench, paint yeah. bench outside. Sat right here for a lot of hours. When he'd pick us up from school, we'd come here, and he'd say, all right, do your lessons before we get started. And I was like, I ain't doing that. I'd do what I wanted to do, and that's it. All then, right. then there'd be a pile of bodies out there that he turned all day long, about 250. He'd say, go ahead and spoke well, shave. So we'd sit there and spoke shave, and me and Joey'd have to stand on a block of wood because we were too short to reach the bench, spoke shave duck bodies. Yeah. So, Talk about doing your lessons. I remember one time when I was a little kid, we were on a boat. He said, do your math. So I went in there and I just wrote all kinds of numbers down, right? Yeah, he ain't right. going to check that. Right, right. Man, he come back out stirring that boat. He said, get back in the cabin. He said, you didn't do that right. Well, I was in trouble. <laughs> he, I don't he caught me. That. You he checked caught up me. on him. I checked up on him. We were on a boat. We were yeah. on a boat out there fishing. First time I took him fishing, he got seasick. <laughs> we were dealing that in shad. 
He took me first time I went uh, goose hunting. I shit myself. I wouldn't have said that. Guys, people that are not from this area, what makes your style of carving or an upper Chesapeake decoy an upper Chesapeake decoy? You want to handle that? Or that upper Bay decoy is a is a, a more or less a, a solid body a decoy with a, most of the times the tail is turned up a little bit, but this. Yeah. You know, this particular like 50s canvas back is, uh, is turned down. He just wanted to make them that way, I guess, that particular time. But they're uh, mostly solid body uh, wooden decoys. If you took one of those to New Jersey, you would, they would, uh, they would throw it out of the contest, decoy contest like they have before That's right. up in New Jersey. They gotta be hollow up there. They gotta be hollow in New Jersey. I can't figure out why. Well, they, yeah, they, they, well, they, they, they gone out like, of the, 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 uh, the, the, Skiffs, what do you call them? Barnegat's yeah, Barnegat's the, 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 the sneak boats, and they think them things can handle 20-foot waves, them guys up there, you know? But they're flat bottom. I don't see how they stay yeah. upright. Different yeah, ours are, ours are round bottom, lead keel. Same way out west, them flat bottom decoys. These they, ride, in the pond. they ride the rough water. That's yeah. what they're made for, riding rough water. They got the ballast weights on the bottom of them. That, yeah. ring well, they, wherever they'll the come back up, see, they'll turn right back up again. The only thing, the only thing that will go wrong with them is when it's cold. It'll, the, the, it'll, it'll ice up. The, the heads will ice up to a solid block of ice when it gets real cold. They get a beard on. Get a, get a ice <laughs> but on. But and and the other thing is they use hundreds of them. Yeah. And they, they were easy to pick up. Wrap them up. You know, you get a. Nothing against the bigger cork decoys or any decoys, but they're bigger. They're harder to wind up the ropes, you know. And them them decoys used to have what 15 foot of line on them. Yeah, I mean, some of them did. He'd pick them up most every, of it, every what, day. 12, 15 foot of line. I picked them up and moved them three times a day. You know, from when the you pick up to the flats to the western. When, well, it depends where the ducks were flying. When you'd pick up two or three hundred, and then the sink boxes years ago have five to seven hundred. And That's I don't think guys the these days want to put the time and do, make it, a, you know, laying a nice rig like that anymore. Of course, well, you know, sense in it. You only get one duck. Well, if you want a good hunt, you want a good. It doesn't make any difference. You get know, a lot of people lay the, the the decoys on a line compared to even some puddle ducks and stuff. You know, and not dive ducks. They put lay them on a line. I don't think it looks as good as if you lay them individual. It takes more time and takes a little more effort, but yeah. if you want a good hunt and you want a good uh, outcome, then you lay them like you did back in the 50s, you know, individually. I don't mind putting time into laying decoys, you know. A lot of guys go out there body booting or something. They, oh, that's enough. Lay them all out, I say. <laughs> Doesn't matter to me. Yeah, an upper bay decoy. I know. I know it to be very collectible. Mm. Amongst the four of you, I mean, how how far? You know, tell me something about where your birds have been, who's got them, where they've went. You know, uh, give me some give me some background on that, or some 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 an interesting story, maybe. Well, I made a bunch of decoys for the president. What's his name? Clinton. Yeah, Clinton. He's a big duck hunter. Yeah, he's a duck hunter. I made decoys for him. Arkansas. Uh, Hanson, Arkansas. They're, getting, they're all over the place. They're from 
West Coast to the East Coast. Really? I, I, I made some decoys for. for the Rebecca T. Ruark out of the mast. I remember that. Yeah, they sold for 500 a piece, the first 20. Then I called the guy and says, hey, I says, these decoys are selling pretty good. He says, well, they're $1,000 a piece now. And the rest of them sold for $1,000 a piece. Some of them been resold. Most expensive one, $7,500. I know the story behind that, but for everyone else, what, what is, what, what's unique about that? Unique about that, the Rebecca T. Ruark is the oldest skipjack on the bay. Built in 1886. And he sank it down off Tillman somewhere. So he wanted to restore it, didn't have the money, so he said, let's make some decoys out of the mast. So that's what we did. Made 82. 82 decoys out of fact, one of them's the in the Smithsonian. One of them's in the Smithsonian. I've seen it down in Smithsonian. Yeah. Smithsonian. Yeah. Because of the, the, the historical factor. Oh, yeah, of, of, the, the, of the skipjack. Skip skip right, yeah. that's a, Skipjacks are... On the There's national treasure, a couple, a couple yeah. left. list of the, <clears throat> for the federal government. Yeah, yeah. Martha Lewis and all yeah. Martha Lewis is one of them. There's I mean, few, just I mean, the decoys out of the boom of the Martha Lewis. They put a new boom on it. There was two of them at the Howdy Gray Show in the auction. And the really? other decoys, where you mean? Put where they? Oh, they're all over the place. They're all over the country. They're yeah. overseas, all over the country. Yeah. And and one reason for that is Captain Harry. Yeah. Captain Harry's been from the west, from the east coast to the west coast, yeah. and he, he's probably got a duck in every right. single state. Oh yeah, his guarantee you, there's one in every state of his. Yeah. But the and he's done, he's done more for the decoy world than anybody else around. Now he don't travel like he used to, so but we're gonna put some. We're gonna, he's gonna start traveling, going all over the place and. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. Get a yeah. helicopter. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay, I knew helicopter. The, the, the best he, go ahead. I say, the yeah. best decoys made, though, is the ones we make for ourselves that we take out there and we take hunting and you yeah. see them work. And it's yeah. neat to watch right. the, the birds come into the decoys that you made yourself and, and uh, uh, you know, work them. I mean, that's, that's, that's when you, you get satisfaction out of what you do. Yeah. I got 100 wooden canvas backs that I made. And, uh, I remember the day we painted them. I, I we were going to paint them on a Sunday morning. I asked my father to help come help me paint them over my shop in Havre Great. And he showed up on a Sunday morning, and I was out a little little late on Saturday night, and I forgot about us painting the decoys Sunday morning. And it was about six o'clock. He showed up, and on the door, and I. Woke up, I said, what are you doing? Oh, we're supposed to paint them decoys. <laughs> and out we went, me with a big head and everything, and we got them painted. But I have the 100 decoys, and everybody wants to use them all the time. You know? They always want to, can I use them? Can I use them? Well, I, lent a, I lent a body boot and rig to a boy one time. He lost about 40 geese, full-size geese, in the ice. And years ago, when you were bushwhacking, all that grass was out there. You'd be looking in the in the decoys with the glasses, and all of a sudden you'd see a decoy go boom under the water. It was that millful on the bottom. Roll the string up, pull the decoy right under. I've lost some decoys that way. There was so much grass out on them flats. It's all changed now. It's all changed. How many rigs out on them flats now? Well, there's quite, quite a few people go out there, but now 
I think it's getting more popular. The internet's bringing everybody in. They're not they real. The they're not real big rigs. They're not big rigs. They're everybody not, goes in their boats. And you know, Bobby he used a hundred sets of frames in the seventies. Yeah, one time you know? I had a hundred sets of frames and like 40, I mean, 50 full body decoys. We'll goose, use, goose decoys. They will use twenty sets of frames, twenty five sets of frames, and hundred full bodies or something like that. And I mean, and and now it's styrofoam decoys with wood chips on them and stuff like that that we made, and some of them. Some of them are 35 years old that we have, you know, something like that, that he made years ago that came back or whatever, and we fixed up and kept them. But, you know, years ago it was full-body geese, wooden geese. There's 10 or 12 rigs out there, and then might, might be 15 reed boats out there. Mm -hmm. uh, and that, you know, never in my wildest dreams did I think uh, decoys, what I grew up as a kid, I mean, I grew up, I grew up as a kid watching all the old timers and I'm like, man, I want to be just like them guys when I get older. They get to hunt, they get to fish, they get to do everything. And basically, uh, we've been living living the dream, if you know what I'm saying. I don't know how much more or how much be longer the dream's going to keep on going. 30 years, 30 you know, years. I hope it's to the good. end of my life, but I, as far as our kids go, uh, times are changing, things are changing. Uh, I don't know if you're going to have the tr traditions as time goes on. We're kind of, you know, everything's getting built up around us. We're losing all the areas and, and the places we used to do things, hunting and everything like that. But it's been a good life for us up till now. It's, it's carried us a long way. We get to do what we want to do, when we want to do it, if we can do it at that time. When you got to order ducks or something like that, you got to get them done, you get them done. You know, before Christmas, I want to go hunting can't go hunting because you're working on stuff. In October, you know, somebody wants to go to South Dakota hunting, or you can't do that because you're getting ready for a waterfowl festival. I'm going. I'm not. But, you know, it, it's it's to a point to where, you know, like when, we, when I was growing up, I wanted to be a welder. And then about, I had something in my brain I wanted to be a welder. And I went over to Wiley's shipyard and took a test. And it was about, five degrees and it, they were building the tunnels down here and I went am I out of my mind <laughs> with with decoys and hunting with my dad and all that when we graduated we and we weren't going to college we knew we weren't going to college so we said well we're gonna make ducks and it all just folded right into that making decoys everybody asked me how you doing I says another 30 years like this we'll be fine and, you know, you make a lot for Ducks Unlimited, you make a decoys for Delta Waterfowl, all different organizations that sell decoys and, and raise money and stuff. And hopefully, hopefully the people keep collecting them. And we make decoys now for people. The majority of the decoys aren't used for gunning anymore. Well, I still think that people have to be educated what decoys are. Yeah. What, that, what they were originally yeah. used for. Uh, yeah. I think they lose the value of... Yeah, and a, and a lot of people... A lot of people, to me, they do not realize how much time goes into a decoy. They see a black, red, and white canvas back, and they say, well, that duck's no problem. Well, they come and spend two weeks in the shop, or, and they'll, they'll see exactly how long it takes. And a lot of people do that. They come and help us. They're like, my goodness, that uh, takes a long time a to make work. a decoy. It's a lot of work. Yeah. You know, antique styles are, are, are faster. You know, they have cracks and dents. They're supposed to look like that. But a regular finish, you know, like a smooth finish like that, to get it, years ago, they weren't made like that. They were 
gunning decoys they were used to hunt with, you know, and they didn't care about the nicks and dents and cracks. They put them overboard, and he he can tell you he be, they'd be going down to cut, putting eyes in them, you know, get them overboard. They need decoys, you know. So the truth. Yeah, I mean it's 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 changed, and hopefully, you know, people keep collecting them. I mean, old, older carvers and stuff like that, they. You know, they're, every, everybody asks me that. Says, what makes a decoy worth more money? I says, the carver. I says, that's the main thing. Um, you know, a lot, lot of old carvers, you know, they, they don't make them anymore, but. You're almost the old, car, old carver now. Yeah, we're getting older. We I hope we get old. It's, it's a different way of life. It's a good way of life. We don't make a million dollars, but. You know, when you ain't got to go in and go be at the office all day, inside, all that stuff and everything. None of us could do that. No, I couldn't. <laughs> I, in I, other I, words, we couldn't have a real job. That's what Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I claims to, claims to me, well, what? you don't have a real job. I said, well, it's work just like you do, but I'm the boss. Yeah. A lot, a lot of people don't realize, I mean, if, if we go to work at 9 o'clock in the morning, we might work till 5 or 6, but after... Seven or eight o'clock, we're back out in the shop again. You can come by my shop at 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night, and I'm there. Not me no more. Sometimes yeah, he's sleeping at the bench. Been there, yeah, that. sleeping at the bench. I called him before sleeping right at the bench. He used to say, we'd, we'd be painting green wing teal. We had 250 green wing teal to paint. He'd go, I said, how much longer are we going to paint? He says, until we get them done. I'm like, oh. So. <laughs> I guess we're lucky to, to, to do what we're doing, you know. I didn't think I'd do it because I'm under a roof all the time. I don't want to, you know, that's one thing I don't like to be under the roof all the time. But we, we have other things we do. We work on the water. Uh, we've all worked on the water. And when the, when the iron gets hot for that, we'll do that, you know. But we have an advantage. We, when things get bad on the water, we run right back into the decoy shop, you know. <laughs> And it, even if you don't have an order or something, you can always do something. You can always, you know, use your imagination say, I'm going to make this or I'm going to make that. I'm going to make a different pattern or different duck even. There's different uh, species of ducks that I haven't made. I can always, you know, go do that if I wanted to. We always have a place to go. That's, that's, that's the shop. That's what our father taught us to do. So, And that's, we're grateful to him for that. To have to make a living doing what we're doing, being brought up, you know, into it, we carve all the time. We may be in we're hunting in the goose pit, take a basket of duck heads with us or whatever, you know, or out on a boat once in a while. But you know, we make a make a decent living at it because we know what to do from step one to step fifty. We know what to do. We know what we need. We don't have to ask a question what to do, what, you know, what color to paint on a duck. I, I thought when we painted what our father, what, how's he know what to, what paints to get out for this? You know, it's just all in your head after so much time to, to put a wing patch on and to put the, what color on the breast and the head and the back feathers and a learned thing. You know, you got to be around it long enough to, to to do it. Like Charles said, there's a lot there's a lot of people come in the shop, they want to help or they want to do something. Or you get a young guy that wants to make say he says, I want to make decoys. Well it's just not that you make decoys. You just don't sit down and make decoys. 
it's a it's a monotonous uh, one thing after another you know you might uh, uh, breast and tail a hundred bodies at a time wow. or cut out 200 heads at a time you know we don't make it's, one duck at a time we don't make one duck and and somebody doing that they may look at you and go well I thought it was all fun and games you know all painting and you know uh, carving heads all day but it's not that it's yeah, I think it's, some people's work. Some, Our job is work just as well as anybody else's. Some people think it's a lot easier than what it really is. But it's a learning process to learn how to do it. It takes a little bit yeah. of time. It's easy for us. It's easy for us because we have done it monotonously for many, many years. Because of our father. Captain Harry. Yeah. Because we learned to he he taught us to to it's like Ford and making a car, you know, it's a assembly line, you know. So we go through a, a lot of phases, you know, like say fishing, crabbing, gunning. So we and, and a lot of people that. think we make decoys in mass production, but they're not mass production. Not. Mass production is when you make ten thousand pair of boots a day. Mass production is that we make hundred, you know, and everybody asks how many decoys you make a year. So, I don't know. Don't want to know. We'll wonder where all the money went to. <laughs> I made 50 swan one time, and an old boy's dead now. By the name of Amos Waterfield. You ever heard of him? In Rock Hall. Used to be where he was a collector and a seller. Well, he was a big market gunner, too. Yeah, well, you back, ago, back yeah. years ago. Yeah. He come in the shop and said, What have you made all them? One for. I told him, Amos, it's only 50. There's 50 million people in the United States. What's 50 swan? But the, the gunning rig, the big gunning rig days are gone. You can't, there is nobody that uses wooden decors for 100, 150 decors overboard. But the big rigs, the gunning rigs, they're gone. Going, you, you uh, they're, they're not worth putting together anymore. Really, this is uh, my three boys. I'll tell them everything I know. What have you? We've had a good life, and uh, we gunned and fished together. And uh, this is a good life. We're not millionaires, but we do what we want to do. We still gun a little bit. I don't, because I can't take the cold weather. But they still gun a little bit, catch a few fish and what have you. And uh, they're uh, my three boys, the best I got. So within including this, uh, we'll say, uh, we'll keep going as long as we can. This is my family, Bobby, Charles, and Jerry. This is what it's all about. Ducks, dogs, and decoys. And that's what it's all about. So that was the Job's family talking about carving history, gunning, and all types of things. 
duck hunting related. The month was May. The year was 2010, right after the Haverty Grace Decoy Museum's May Decoy Festival. Sadly, on May 10th, the year 2019, Captain Harry Jobes passed away to the big decoy shop in the sky. Captain Harry, you're an original and you will be missed, sir. Sir.